Welcome back to the Blunt Letters Podcast. I'm your host, Michaela Superstar, and I'm joined with my bestie, Electric. Hey, hey. What? Thanks for tuning in, everybody. If it's your first time or your, I don't know, like 75th time, I don't know what how many we've done now. Um, 300. Yeah, about, I think, 90 or 70. 70 Nobody's or counting. I'm bad with guesstimating. Guesstimate this. A candy bar. So, yeah. <laughs> what? It's a... It's from a SNL sketch I like. That was a long oh, time ago. Okay. It's like a, it's like a Christopher Walken sketch, the census, and he's like, I'm so bad at guesstimating. Oh yeah, I remember that. He's like, How many people live here? He's like, I don't know, seventy six or something. He says something ridiculous and he's just like, What? In this apartment? And he's like, I don't know. My wife, I have a plant, a, t- a tiger, a candy bar. I'm so bad at guesstimating. It's like one of the best sketches of all time, in my opinion. And it's just two people in a hallway in a doorway. And it's Christopher Walken and um oh Tim Meadows. All right. I can rest now. I'm sorry. The nerd in me can't rest. It's Tim Meadows. I, I saw this really wild thing on like a, I don't even know. It was like a YouTube or like a freaking reality show or something. And this guy had tattooed the whites of his eyes. They were black. Like the whites of his eyes were all black. So his eyes were all blacked out. Guy had whites of his eyes tattooed. It's gross. Yeah. I was like, uh-uh. No. Like, no, don't do it, the person getting it done. And no, don't do it, the person doing it. Like, ah. A lot of people, I've seen a bunch of people get it done. Ugh, I can't watch things like that. I can't watch eyeball things. Like, not Mm -hmm, at all. mm -hmm. I just don't know why you'd risk it, honestly. But. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't really know if that's bad for you. And then what if you go blind? It's like, I don't know why people risk blindness for that shit, but. I know. I know. Could you imagine? I couldn't. I wouldn't. It's definitely a what? Yeah, I could not bear tattooing the other inside of my elbow pit because one of them hurt so Mm. bad that I didn't want to do it. I can't imagine going for my eyeballs or like there's certain parts on me. I'm like not tattooing because I'm like, that's going to hurt so fucking bad. I understand that. I wouldn't either. Eyeball is in that category. (laughs) Like my uvula, you know, not going to tattoo that either, even though it's probably possible. But yeah, the whole, I don't know, people going extreme, which I'm down with. And like, good for you. Like, you look cool. You're right. But it's like, ooh. Like, they should do reverse contacts for that or something. Yeah, totally. Just put contacts in. Or just put contacts in all over your eyes. Or, I don't know. I think they have those because, you know, they have them in the movies, right? Like, people in the movies don't really tattoo their eyes. I mean, fuck, right? I swear though yeah it's... but people are obsessed with all kinds of shit like they have the eye whitening drops now too what is that it's like make your eyes brighter and i totally fucking called this shit when i started seeing the te- teeth whitening things coming out and i was like everyone's so obsessed with whitening their teeth and now it's like the big fucking deal and if you don't you're some pariah and then i was like what's next like what are they gonna make us ashamed of next our eyeballs and then like 10 years later it was like yup here it is like people have to be ashamed of their fucking eyeballs now wow it was like makes the whites whiter and your eyes brighter and clearer and i was like i mean i know that that shows that you have healthier dna to procreate in the wild clear eyes sure symmetrical features whatever it's like but we're not fucking primates running around anymore do i really need the clearest brightest whitest teeth and eyes in the world to survive like oh my god um yeah i totally question the ability to brighten your eyes as a beneficial development like it's gonna kill us all doesn't brighten the way you see like it's gonna ruin your eyesight why would you risk that don't you love looking at stuff like i don't know i tell you i love looking at stuff 
I like seeing things. Yeah. You know, it's not the end of the world if I couldn't. You know, yeah. I could be a blind person, but I'm not going to go out of my way to do things to my eyes. Right. I'm, you know, even my eye makeup's all vegan and, like, hippie crunchy shit because I don't want to put weird shit in my eyeballs. I hear you know that. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I wear glasses. I, I want contacts. I'm probably going to need glasses soon. I'm getting old. Everybody needs glasses. I, I mean, the thing is, your your eyes You think you have a cat. <laughs> what? I said, you think you have a cat. That thing is a giant muskrat. Oh my god! What? A- yeah, you let in a co a gopher girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's you a gopher you adopted girl. A cat. <laughs> That's. Funny. I was needing to tell you that's not a kitty cat. She's like so slithery. I bet she would be like a moccasin. She's a weasel or something. Yeah, like a weasel. But I heard a mock. We- I don't know, like a snake. Is that a snake? I thought it was like a otter-looking thing. A moccasin. Doesn't it sound like it should be like an, an otter, like a or a weasel, like something between an otter and a weasel? Yeah, that's always what I thought, but I didn't know it was snakes. I don't know a lot about snakes. <laughs> <laughs> you mean like a mongoose? Oh yeah, like a mongoose. That's kind of or what I was imagining. Marmot. Yeah, totally. Those guys. Mm pretty cute all with m's right yeah they all probably stink like ferrets <laughs> yeah well I, th- I that's why i think i do have a cat my sense of smell said the girl whose best friend in connecticut's a skunk <laughs> <laughs> that's funny what do i want to say skunkito any updates on mr no he was stamping around i told you with his little tiny feet i was trying to gauge how small his feet are because now he comes up to me when i feed him like really close they are literally like an inch and a half no they're like an inch they're so little he's so tiny he's just like "Ah!" and he got all mad at blossom the other day because she was like not scared of him and he was like stomping with all his little feet and i was like oh shit and she was like i don't understand what you're doing and kept trying to take his food and then he stomped again and turned his butt and she was like all right but i had to like break it up i was like blossom get out of here because, like, like I said, Skrankita's not ma- – like, he doesn't run at my voice, but the other one, like, the, the possum will. So he'll just be like, Whoa, Yeah. Mom. And then I'll be like, get out of here. Leave Skrankita alone. He's eating his bologna. And then Blossom the possum takes off into the wilderness. Yeah. I'm like, there's plenty of food down to the bird feeder. Ain't that and the truth. Blossom's like, ah, 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 ah. and I'm like, yeah, dummy. And they're like, corn on the cob. And I was like, yeah. Corn on the fucking cob. Wow, classy. Well, just the ends. <laughs> and, like, the husk, which I figured they would eat. And they did. Like, Skronkito himself spent, like, a good 20 minutes, I'm not even kidding you, eating very little corn off of those corn cobs. Like, one corn cob. What? For real? Yeah. Why? I think he found it delicious. But why did it take so long? Did he just have little teeth? Yeah, he's tiny. Oh, my goodness. And he was just, I mean, I think he kept just biting it and biting it and trying to get more out of it. And I think there's little kernels that probably we don't think about in there. And then some people, like, fry up. They make, like, corn ribs, you know. I want to try that. Ooh, I never heard of that. So some people will quarter up a corn (laughs) the long way. Okay. And then they'll, like, coat it in, and then, like, uh, air fry it so they get all crunchy, kind of, and, like, roasted. And then they dip that and they eat the whole Whoa. thing. I know. We got to put that. We got to do a blind taste test on that when we live totally. near each other. It looks really good. And then some people are like, for sure. But then they'll be like, oh, fuck, no, it's good. So I don't know. I like corn, so I could see it myself. seems like a lot of people do. I always... I always secretly want to eat that husk. I don't know why. <laughs> you feel like you should be able to. It's maybe. pretty fibrous. I don't know if I would want to. It's like, like, I wouldn't like lemongrass. Like I wouldn't eat lemongrass either. But I've seen people do it. They just bite right into it, and they're like, "Yummy." And I don't like, got what? teeth for that. I know. I was like, <laughs> mm, I broke a tooth on a bacon bit. Like yeah. I don't know. I'm <laughs> yeah. Irish. Like and like I said, my parents just looked at me and was like, "Yeah, we have bad teeth in this family." I was like, "Well, no shit." Yeah, you can't help it. Was not even bacon? <laughs> it's worse. That's why it was so hard. Taken down by soy protein. 
I was like, God damn it. You were supposed to be my ally in my vegetarianism. And here you are, cracking my tooth. Fuck you, bitch. I know, I was mad. And then I never got to eat bacos again because I was fucking afraid. Irrational fear. You want irrational fear? I, I have have an irrational fear of bacos now something i used to really enjoy on salads which i love and now i can't even have bacos because one of them broke my fucking tooth oh my goodness my european teeth and i was like yeah they're made out of limestone i'm pretty sure soapstone or something i don't know um so now i can't even eat bacos well, let's talk about something you can drink. What are you drinking tonight? No, I'm too depressed. I'm going <laughs> to go eat bacos till I break all my teeth. Podcast's over. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so I was planning on one thing, but then the preparation took so long that I needed to cool my syrups, oh. which, is my, which is my new saying, like, hey, cool your syrups. <laughs> what are you, a mixologist? Cool your syrups, right? So it's probably not going to catch on. But I needed to cool my syrups for my drink. So instead, I ended up having a little plum soju in my refrigerator because that's how I roll. I have some stuff up in here. And I was like, I've been drinking that for the last few nights as a mixer because A, I am an alcoholic and I need a mixer that has alcohol in it. B, it's very sweet and delicious. C, I don't know. <laughs> I just went, I found out that they had it. I was like browsing the sweet ass wine from my mom who wanted Manischewitz, and I found the soju near the Manischewitz because, of course, yeah, of sweet, course, sweet things go together. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, so I found the soju finally after two years of going to the store, and was like, oh shit, they do have it. And then I found the plum one, and. The rest is history. So I've been using it, but it's very, very sweet. And I've been using it kind of sparingly. So I made like a muddled strawberry and pomegranate uh, vodka. I like muddled the fruit, put the vodka in, covered it with uh, crushed ice and then soju and then uh just a little soda on top because the soju is really so sweet i can't just use it as a straight mixer i have to mix it with seltzer even when i drink soju i actually add soda because it's very sweet yeah it is really sweet it's very yeah sugary it's like a dessert wine or something but i want to drink it as like something else so anyway yeah i hear that i'm calling it the ruby plum i was like this is it's really pretty it's really red and it tastes like plums and yeah. like fruit. Yeah, Ever. that sounds delightful. Mm-hmm. And as you like to say, it comes with a snack because it's got the seeds and the strawberries <laughs> That's in it. Right. Yeah. It's also very strong the way I made it. So I made a video. <laughs> yeah, check it out on the TikTok. What are you drinking? I am drinking a similar drink with strawberry. Uh, muddled mm. strawberry. We never plan it. Not, Not one time. Not you yeah. muddled your strawberries I, too? I threw it in Damn, with that happeny rhubarb gin because I read all those ingredients off with you and John the last episode, but it does mm-hmm. say rhubarb on the bottle as the title or, you know, the name of the drink or whatever. And so I was like, all right, lean into it. And uh, PP for sure also was like, yeah, add some sugar. Like it needs sugar. And yeah. I was like, okay. So I made a yeah. strawberry rhubarb happiny gin cocktail. And that's it. Nice. It's just simple syrup, muddled strawberries, gin, and like hella ice. So it's also very strong because nice. it's like pretty much just gin and a little bit of sugar water and ice. <laughs> yeah, that's just sugar, water, and yeah, fruit. Because I didn't want to, I didn't want to, yeah. you know change the flavor with a seltzer i only have flavored seltzers so it's like i'm just gonna go for a classic cocktail yeah. which that's what most cocktails are is 
Yeah, we always do these big cocktails like I just did tonight, but it's like, <clears throat> you know, we have, we should, it's like there are short versions, just don't add the seltzer, I guess. It's like, or uh, yeah. it's like, but my cocktail would yeah. have been very sweet. It's, it's really nice so. though. I think like as somebody who usually abstains from sugar mm-hmm. in their drinks, like having a little sugar is very, very luxurious. Yeah, it Makes does. it go down easy. A spoonful of sugar makes the cocktail go down. The cocktail go down. <laughs> and then you barf it all up the next day. <laughs> Mary Poppins! It's that proper song for children. <laughs> Shut up. Mary Poppins will sing about whatever she wants. She's drunk. <laughs> I like that her voice really was nice when she was singing. That's and funny. she's all just a mean drunk. I heard Mary Poppins was a mean trunk, actually. So. What, Julie Andrews? No, Mary Poppins. Ooh. What the fuck who said Julie Andrews? Anyway. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you. I'm picking up what you put down. Are you wondering what to get your loved ones for insert holiday? Well, nothing says I love you like a homemade gift with a personal touch. Why not get the nail clippings jar home kit? and make your gift from scratch. Just use the sterilized nail clippers included in your kit and go to town on any and all available digits. Store them forever in a stunning crystal jam jar using the self-adhering label to let your special someone know just who gave them the gift of ultimate trust not to use your body parts for hexing, binding, bewitching, conjuring the dead, or taking absolute power over you using witchcraft. Comes in three sizes for all occasions. Can be used for hair, teeth, and other treasured keepsakes, too. Surprise the shit out of your favorite people this year with the gift of Nail Clipping Jar Home Kit. From the makers of Homebrew Urine Sample Kit and Poopern! Welcome back to the Blunt Letters Podcast. Sorry, just trying out my swicky voice. That's good. I like that. No, don't be sorry. No. <laughs> well, we're not talking spooky yet, but um, that was just a when aren't we? rehearsal. We're talking about some science fiction in the Man Who Fell to Earth TV show on Showtime. Yeah. Although we will be also talking about the David Bowie movie and the novel that came before it. Bum, bum, Because how could you not? Let me tell you about this movie. 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 So, you want to talk about what it's about briefly? Sure. So, it's about this guy from outer space who falls to Earth in a pod. And it turns out that he is from another planet and he's trying to save his species by creating a generator like a fusion device like radio radioactive fusion you know like nuclear fusion and it's a quantum fusion generator and so he's trying to get it made then he needs to convince everybody to let him do it of course the cia is after him and then he gets into contact with, you know, a brilliant scientist whose work will eventually lead to the success of this project. And also, you know, a myriad of other people who are trying to either put an end to this idea, put an end to him personally, and of course, find the bigger fish, which is like controlling and sent for him to fall to Earth in the first place, which is another space alien that has been here for quite a while. But um, they look like people. They don't look like aliens. So what I found out and I, you know, when you find out something, I don't know, maybe maybe it's nerditis. I'm not sure if it's a real thing, but like. When you find out something later about something you like and you should have seen the connections, but you didn't. I know what you're talking about. And then you feel like an asshole, right? Okay. So I saw The Man Who Fell to Earth, the David Bowie film, 
I never, I don't think I read the book. And if I did, it was so long ago. The book was by Walter Tevis, Tevis. Um, I, either I read it so long ago, I barely remember it. And the movie I, re- I watched, I barely remember it. I mean, it came out in 1976. So I saw it in like the nineties probably. And if not, if not the late eighties when I was just devouring movies. So I saw this movie a while ago. I remember liking it, but I didn't remember a lot about it. And it turns out it's a, that the TV show is a fucking sequel. What? <laughs> yeah. And that's why, like, so Bill Nye, who's always like the perfect villain, plays the alien who fell to Earth before him. That's David Bowie's character. They have the same fucking name. And that's why it sounded familiar because it's the same name of the same fucking alien from the first movie. That's David Bowie all old oh. and gin soaked and tortured. Boom. I know. I'm like so dumb for not putting that together. Damn. And then they and then they because in the movie, the David Bowie movie, there's even his alcoholic girlfriend who gets them all hooked on gin that you meet in the TV show. Like I didn't put any of this shit together. I felt so dumb. I didn't see it as a sequel. Damn. So it's about essentially David Bowie's adept coming because he never came home and like trying to figure out what the fuck and save this, the planet because the movie is about like essentially the same thing. That's why I was like, Oh, it's a reimagining. It's like, no, it's, it's a fucking sequel. Oh my goodness. I can't believe that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. And I was like, Oh my God. And then, so then I went into this little wormhole where I was like, Oh, David Bowie, why didn't he do the music for The Man Who Fell to Earth? And they were like, they were thinking of it, but no one ever asked him because they thought that maybe he was too busy. But then he thought he would write the music and then he ended up just not writing the music. But then he said the music he thought he would end up have written for that movie became my favorite fucking album. Oh, yeah? What is it? Which is Low with with Brian Eno mm. in Berlin and him. And it's like so good. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like some of those songs were like that and Station to Station had songs that he envisioned putting in the manifesto. Wow, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, this is a sequel, which I think is amazing. And yeah, Bill Nye plays David Bowie's character who essentially like in the film, the first film, he gets drunk all the time and like essentially like just doesn't finish his mission Mm. and then in the tv show he gets his eyes taken out he gets tortured by the cia and he goes into hiding and then his like essentially his slave comes and like because he's one of the only ones who ever questioned why the fuck he's being enslaved by the adepts and he comes to finish the mission and it's played by this dude who, um, uh, was it Chiwetel Ejiofor? Yep. Ejiofor. Yeah. Yeah. And he's awesome. And Naomi Harris is this other, like, scientist woman who's on Earth, who's, like, essentially the smartest woman on Earth and needs to help him. Yeah. So it's like, oh, shit, this is so crazy. So it's essentially like David Bowie's character being like, come help me get off this fucking planet. To his slave person yeah his servant, his servant or whatever if you want to put it at nice the nicest way to put it but he says he's gonna like enslave the humans and stuff it's so crazy so it's so good so like the whole time like he's trying to convince the scientist naomi harris that earth also is gonna die if she doesn't help and that's really intense and so she's also like not just trying to save his planet but our planet and they have to make a renewable energy source that's clean and blah, blah, blah. So he makes this thing and then he has to make a giant one to power his ship so he can get back home and bring all his people to Earth, which is kind of like what the trade off, right? For like renewable energy. It's like, well, you let me bring the small population of my dying planet here. Mm-hmm. It's like, fuck, we're not going to enslave you. So I love that they, they're trying to make they're trying to like stabilize this whatever quantum accelerator or whatever crazy science bullshit's going on. Right. And I love the way that they bring 
And the whole time they're bringing music into it and improvisation and like free thinking in science. And then it all comes together. And spoiler alert, my favorite part is when they realize the only way they can stabilize this much energy is to teach the computer how to improvise so that it can it can essentially adjust adjust and balance at at any time and they're like oh we just taught the computer jazz and i was like this is hands down my favorite shit right now ever like so essentially yeah the computer learns jazz so that we can have free energy and the alien spaceman can get back to his home and save everyone and i'm like jazz save the day i'm all in in. like a whole bunch of black scientists there's like it's a very black cast it's like a lot And they're all the good people. And then the white people are horrible, which, you know, I'm a fan of because, you know. They're the CIA and stuff. Yeah. The CIA. The fucking David Bowie character turns out to be a fascist. Right. Like, you know, like, you know, the one of the fucking the woman who's running this, the the CEO commits patricide. You know, it's like they're all pretty deplorable (laughs) people. That's uh, Sonia Cassidy's character. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I love that because it's like, yeah, dude, it's not wrong. So. And then also um, it has a uh, Kate Mulgrove who plays the CIA. Oh God. Like boss, you know. Who I just will always love. I will always love her. Yeah. She, I mean, I shouldn't say that. She's going to get canceled now. She's going to say something terrible. But until she says something terrible or unless she says something terrible or does something terrible, I will love her. Because she, first of all, will always be Janeway again. Mm-hmm. And then she was reinvented herself once again as red and orange is new black. Yep. And then she did like a, a bunch of little weird comedy things with like the SUV NCSI bullshit that was just super funny. And like now she's in this and she was so fucking good as like a badass CIA agent. I'm like, I yeah. fucking love her. Kind of reminded me her. of like Scully, you know, like Dana mm-hmm. Scully, like no nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. And then you had the fucking. Dude from It's Always Sunny as Finch. Yeah. He'll never be. And I've seen him in Westworld. I've seen him in a million things. And I'm like, you'll always be that fucking McBoyle, dude. (laughs) You're always going to be a McBoyle. Yeah. I see him in all kinds of stuff. And he's always like a sleaze. Like he plays like sleazy characters. So it's interesting to see him as like an official, you know, like a CIA agent. But he's still a sleaze. Yeah. He's still doing his own thing and not listening to anybody. Yeah, he's gross. He's like, and he has all these mantras. You know, I can live with that. Ugh. I can live with that. It's There's nothing scarier than a white man with a mantra. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. So, yeah, it's pretty great. I, people were saying it might come back, and I was like, why? Why? Mm. You can leave it. It was. I think it was perfect as itself. Like, does he save his planet? We don't know. Does he save the Earth? We don't know. And I don't need to know. I don't think they need to bring it back. Like, let's just leave it as beautiful. Because, I mean, like, that whole ending scene with the David Bowie, like, the five years. Mm. Like, ugh, tell me you weren't crying a little bit. I wasn't crying, but I liked it. I didn't, I, it wasn't that I wasn't touched. Ugh. I just didn't cry. Sorry. I was teared up. I was like, oh, this song. There's a lot of parts that were very heart-wrenching. And he's, like, blasting off. And I was like, uh-huh. I'm way more of a sap than you are, though, in general. About movies especially. I feel like for me, it, yeah, it's harder. And opera. And opera, yeah. <laughs> and music. Mm, yeah, okay, and you stuff. are. <laughs> yeah, I cry all the time and stuff, so. But, yeah, I was like, oh, man, this is really good. I cried at the end of my book the other day. I was like, and it's a horror novel, but I was like, oh, they all came together. Aww. I was like, oh, good for them. Are you going to give us a synopsis of that in this episode? Uh, The one before it. Oh, great. Okay. Well, let's take a break and then we'll come back and Michaela will tell us all about the final girl support group. So good, y'all. Are you sick of waiting for an apology you just know will never happen? Yes, I really wish my roommate would apologize for force-feeding me 32 bananas. Finding it hard to move on without some sort of closure? I need the closure! Well then, I have great fucking news. What my roommate is finally gonna say they're sorry. No, we here at Faux Apologies, we do the apologizing you need when you need it. 
I need it now. I'm sorry. I believe you. That's because we at Phopology Technologies have studied the human brain and behaviors for centuries, and now we finally formulated the perfect topology using our Pathology Equation Data Collection System. We customize every apology for individual needs and emotional states. Wow, that's amazing. How does it work? I'm so glad you asked. Our informational retrieval specialists stalk you online across every possible platform. Oh, okay. That's kind of weird, but... Well, we also have two agents monitoring you in real life to see what makes you tick. Just what makes me... What the fuck? You follow people? Well, with their consent, it's perfectly normal. All part of the Yeah, yeah, but what does this have to do with my apology? We here at Phopologies Technologies think that your experience must be as genuine and intimate as possible, so it can truly heal you. I don't know. This all seems fucking creepy. I assure you it's not. We simply spend a few hours collecting data and processing it, the info, as quickly as possible. Oh, okay, so this is a quick process. We are as efficient as we can be, collecting everything we need to know as fast as possible. That's why we sift through all of your poops. Wait, what? No. It really... Look, this is nonsense. I'm leaving. I'm sorry you feel that way. I... I believe you. Yes, I know. And you will too when you contact Phopology Technologies and schedule your consultation and stool sample today. Here are some of our most successful Phopologies as submitted by highly satisfied actual human customers. I'm sorry I catfished you into thinking that I was your long lost roommate's best friend's brother. I'm sorry I pooped in your shoe. I'm sorry that I put that heat-seeking shark on your butt. I am truly regretful I stole your donkey. I'm really sorry about your parakeets, but he needed to be free. I'm sorry. I thought that your mustache was actually a cabbage. From the bottom of my heart, I just really want to say I'm sorry about sinking your car in the lake. I apologize for never liking your flip-flops. I'm sorry. I thought your beer cooler was a good place for my piranha aquarium. I'm sorry that you didn't like the basket full of snakes and bunny rabbits that I sent you for your birthday. I'm sorry for filling your bathtub with spaghetti, even though you looked really hungry. Please accept my heartfelt apology on the fact that you had no sideburns in the 90s. I'm sorry I told everyone in school that to treat you like a ghost. I'm sorry I switched your toothpaste with hemorrhoid queen, but your teeth look really white. I'm sorry I tried to baby bird you while you had the flu. I thought that's what you meant. Call Phopologies today at 1-800-Phopologies and let us apologize when those assholes can't. Books on paper, books on the screen, books that I borrowed or books that I steal, books that we read, books that we read, that's all you need. Book reviews of PLPs. So I'm going to review Grady Hendrick's Final Girl Support Group. It's the first book I read that was not that was fiction by him. Um, I had listened to a bunch of the uh, he wrote one about slashers or like horror books or something like that. He wrote some like paperback thing, and I was like going reading through that or like listening to a bunch of that at some point with an audiobook. And I was like, oh, this guy's cute, and was looking for some new horror. I'd read some Joe Hill and it was good, but I honestly kept picking his stuff up and wasn't in the mood. I kind of wanted something, I don't know, maybe funny. And I picked this guy's stuff up and it sounded funny. And it is. And it's like, I've read two books so far. The The second one, I'm going to wait because you're going to read it and we're going to review it together. But this one is like really fucking good and really weirdly feminist for a man to write I'm always surprised when dudes write women in this way where like they're super strong and they're always being gaslit like every novel he writes so far that I've read all two <laughs> um it's like women getting gaslit and men mm. are just pieces of shit and they're useless and I'm like this is great like this is what I want to read so it's about this woman Lynette it's actually about a support group a final girls, just like it says. And it's basically about this one Lynette uh, 
Tarkington or something like that. She she survives an attack. She survives. She's a final girl. Blah, blah, blah. And that she's like super paranoid and like living in fear all the time has like is always prepared. So she seems like, you know, almost makes it seem like she's kind of this paranoid badass at first. And she meets with these other women that have lived through horrible things that you only see in horror movies. And they became final girls. They were the one survivor after being attacked or like a massacre happens. You're the one who gets away. That's a final girl. Simply, simply stated, that's a final girl. And it's like one of my obsessions. I love final girls because I love horror and I love women. <clears throat> and so. And it's a trope, right? Like it always happens. Yes. And there's always like one girl at the end of the horror movie that who gets, gets away. away. Yeah. Tell the story. Yeah. Because who's going to tell this story, right? Who would who would know this story except the final girl? And so I love that these women get to tell their stories now because they're final girls and this is the story. So it, it's really, really nerdy. It's really referential. Essentially, the support group is a woman who was in Scream, one who was in Texas Chainsaw, one who was in Nightmare on Elm Street, one who was in Halloween, and one who was in Friday the 13th. Like, they don't say that, but all the other details around it, it's like I said, and then they make movies about their lives. And it's so clever. It's like, he's very clever. I really like it. It's like, uh, it was very refreshing to have someone who's not afraid to be clever and feminist and funny and scary like it's really fun it's a really good book and it's also terrifying and touches on how scary men are like this one the main character is like constantly terrified of men and because you think of how like oh she was attacked she was almost murdered but it's like you know what if you take her fear down to about 50%, that's where most of us are on a daily fucking basis without having to survive a fucking horror movie. Like you could be attacked or something could happen to you. I mean, don't you every feel moment. that way? Any, yeah, I'm yeah. not saying it sarcastically. Second, I'm saying yeah. it like, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. That's how you Seriously. feel like. I'm always like on the lookout for things that could be potential dangers when I'm out it, at like always. anywhere, CVS, the grocery store. Even at home. Even at home. I can't, like, just, like, get changed without making sure the windows are closed or, like, no one can see me. Mm. Or, like, I don't shower in my house alone. Oh, my God. When we lived in New York, do you think I ever took a shower without everything locked? Everything locked. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. I was terrible. Remember I used to shower with a knife next to the fucking shower? Mm -hmm. And you were like, is this a knife in the shower? I'd be like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, I, I felt I lived like a final girl. I do. Because I've, I maybe because I've read too much horror, but it's also like true crime too. And that, and so like. Be prepared. Yeah. So this main character is like overly prepared, but then her whole world crumbles when shit really does start to hit the fan when she's like older. She's had her sequel, which I also love. Like, they have sequels in their lives, just like in the movies. So they're like, oh yeah, we all had our sequels because people came back and tried to be like like uh copycat killers or like what you know what i mean like yeah it's so good it's so good so of course she's paranoid but it's like all for nothing because she's honestly just not as strong or as badass as she thinks or or is the paranoia well you know just because you're paranoid does it's like doesn't mean you're badass and she essentially becomes like on the run and tries to like warn everyone and nobody fucking believes her. It's again, it's there's always like that gaslighting. There's always that like nobody believing you, which is the real terror. Like the real terror of this this book is that being a woman and not being believed. It makes you want to fucking kill yourself. It makes you want to just like jump off a goddamn bridge. Sorry trigger warning but literally that's how i feel where i'm like why am i even breathing anymore when people can't even listen to the fucking truth coming out of my mouth over and over again which again is another trope in horror and another trope with this guy so far in these two books of like just women not being believed to the point where they're just desperate for someone to listen and it's like god damn i know how that feels why does this guy know how that feels why does this male writer know how that feels I don't know, maybe he has empathy or maybe he's experienced something like that before where he's been gaslit. Or maybe 
just listens well to the women who talk about being gaslit all the time. You know, Rosemary's it's Baby cool. is also like that, in my opinion. Yeah. It's like yeah. people don't let her do anything without informing her husband. And that was actually the scariest part for me, watching that as like a woman in 2010-something, mm-hmm. you know, 2015. I don't know when I watched Rosemary's Baby. And it would still happen today. Who would believe that? Mm. Even now. Mm. They'd be like, oh, you got a fucking demon in your stomach? Who the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. Like, who would believe that in 2022? Uh, maybe a priest. Zach Baggins? <laughs> Zach Baggins. <laughs> Me? You know, if I'm your best friend. You better hope I'm your best friend if you have a demon child inside of you. Because I'm, like, the only person on this planet that's going to help you. I wonder if you could go to a priest at a church. Call 1-800-I-NEED-A-CULT-HELP. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Because the priests even don't believe in that shit, really. They're like, is there any medical reason that you would have this issue? And then they would have, you have to show that you've explored every medical issue before they'll treat your exorcism. By then, the demon's tearing up your kidneys, you know? Yeah. Fuck that. Brutal. 1-800, occult friend. I don't know. We'll figure out a way to make it into a, a hotline. But yeah, it's that's the most terrifying part. And that's not the most terrifying part. But it's like it's scary. pretty bad. It's like yeah. that would drive me nuts. It scares me because that's how I feel I would be. And I feel like, you know, I've been in that situation where people don't believe me. And I'm just like, what the fuck? It really melts your brain. It makes you just want to give up on the whole human race. Because you're like, I don't understand why no one will believe the truth coming out of my mouth. So love that and again it is really scary i was trying to figure out who the killer was the whole time i thought i knew and then about i'd say about 50 pages till the end i did figure out what was happening maybe 100 pages from the end but that's actually a long time for me because usually that's why i don't read mysteries people someone's trying to sell me a mystery at barnes and nobles the other day when i was returning this book for another book within the 30-day period and I was like, dude, I just don't like mysteries because, like, about a quarter of the way through, I'm like, I know who did this. Like, mm. it's just too obvious, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times. I hear you. Yeah, I mean, because they're not really smart people a lot of times. So um, this one, though, got me. That's good because um, I know what you mean where you kind of figure it out beforehand, especially in books. I think, like, in shows sometimes, like on TV, it'll go fast and you might miss something. But... On in a book, it's like you're really reading it line by line, like you're paying attention as you're reading. Yeah. So, it I think it's easier to to figure out. I have a Veronica Mars mystery, and I'm kind of anxious about reading it in a way that like I think it'll be not good, like the show. Yeah. I mean, I was weaned on Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys, and Agatha Christie, like. I don't know what to tell you. That was what I was reading as a kid. I like noir stuff, like that, like Raymond Chandler. Oh, yeah. I like, like that. Dashiell Hammett stuff. And so, again, it's like, if you read enough of that, you can just see a lot of it coming if it's kind of subpar and mystery. It has got to be a good mystery. And this is a pretty good one. This was great. I didn't, 100% wasn't sold seeing it come in. And I liked where it went. Um, fully, fully, fully enjoyed this book i really recommend his writing again his nonfiction's really good this is good i read um the southern book club's guide to Vam- slaying vampires it's fucking great like i liked it even better than this one actually that was the one where i cried a little Aww. at the end so we'll talk about that after you read it it's really good yeah i would love to read it it's about buddies it's about besties it's like yeah i love that there was so many times in it where i was like and that's why I couldn't really relate to this other woman as much in the final girl because she had no friends or anyone. It's like, that's not me. Mm. So I thought of, it's like, but this other one is about a, like a book club. So there are besties. And I was like, yeah, like that's more my jam. A bunch of women taking care of each other, which, you know, I love. 
in a horror way it's it's just so perfect so i kept thinking of these things where she'd be like my best friend did this or that and i'd be like hell yeah i kept thinking if electric did that that would i would be there like if that happened to me if that happened to you like the things that went down i kept being like my friends my friends my friends Mm -hmm. like we would totally do these things and i like putting myself in that position whereas in this book the final girls i couldn't really put myself in the position of the character because obviously it's so wild and she's so out of touch but it's still really fun but yeah i highly i'm gonna i'm gonna return that book again to the corporate bookstore that is killed every single little mom and pop bookstore in my hometown and the surrounding towns except for one which actually really sucks i don't know how they stay in business but Barnes and Nobles has put out like eh, but everybody put out everybody out of business. So I'm gonna go return this book again and um, get maybe my best friend's Exorcism, which I found out was actually a precursor to. Anyway, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna try to read all his stuff because he didn't write that many books yet. Nice, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty great recommendation. I'm definitely gonna read right? the Southern Vampire Slayer's Guide or whatever. Like I want to read it i had i saw the cover and i know they say don't judge a book by its cover but i actually think you should because books with good covers are frequently good you know who wrote that you know who said that don't judge a book by a cover who terrible failed graphic designer Mm, there you go there you go from the 1800s (laughs) don't judge a quote by its cover it's not true at all Uh, well whatever point is i liked it because the cover and now you said it's a good book and that frequently happens do it look like this yeah yep this one it's a nice cover it's good yeah it's a good book boom this time we'll keep you posted everybody stay tuned is your backyard plagued with spiders Yes. Are you sick of seeing their sticky white webs all over your crap? Yeah, it makes me barf. Are you constantly walking into an invisible spider web or feeling some creepy crawlies around your ankles? Yeah, I hate it. What could I do? Call Spider Bee Gone for the most natural spider predator solution shipped directly to your door. Here at Spider Be Gone, we have all the natural predators that control spiders, whether it be lizards or birds or even spider wasps or monkeys. We've got it all. Don't forget to add your aquatic spider killers like leeches, the creature from the Black Lagoon, a kraken, 24 karat octopus, and there's also scorpions, centipedes, tarantula hawks, and of course, dragons. We have at least 14 different kinds of fire breathing, ice breathing, or vomiting acid dragons to kill all the spiders in the vicinity. Don't forget the sneak attack. We have surprise more spiders. Oh, more spiders. Our greatest weapon against spiders is more spiders. Science has shown that the number one predator of spiders is spiders. We here at Spiders Be Gone know this and will send in more spiders to kill the spiders because that makes sense. 25% of tarantula wasps agree. Spiders are the best cure for spiders. If the spiders on spiders don't work, we have level four spider removal, which includes the predator from the predator movie, Luke Skywalker with a lifesaver and baby Yoda. Don't forget, we also have the raccoon from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> and Peppa Le Pew, skunk of Looney Tunes fame. It is widely known that skunks and raccoons are omnivores and love to eat spiders. With these personable marsupials, you'll have entertainment and the spider removal you crave. Do you like snakes? We can get them to eat spiders. Do you like people with five arms we'll make them and make them eat spiders don't forget about centipedes nothing stands up to eight legs like a hundred legs it'll stomp that spider into the dust do you want a snake with robot arms we hear we could get that and we will get that for you to eat the spiders do you want a giant helmet that encases your entire body (laughs) to protect you from spiders we'll make that for you deliver it same day don't forget drones they help the aerial attack along with 
little tiny people riding dragonflies and shooting arrows and their poison darts directly into spiders. Mm-hmm. That was the most effective for me at my estate. We've been spider-free for 20 minutes, and I can say it's directly related to spider-begone centipedes and scorpions. I used to have spiders crawling in and out of my nostrils night after night. Night after night, I tell you. And now I haven't had one spider crawl in or out of my nose for years. Thanks, spider-begone. I couldn't go a whole day without having a spider web all up in my hair. But thanks to Spider Begons, I have a real hairnet now. Thanks, Spider Begons. I really like her hair. It's in a net, not a web. Call Spider Begon today. We'll send over laser beams. The Terminator. <laughs> Welcome back to the Blunt Letters. Have you ever thought about <laughs> fire ants? Holy shit! You're gonna now. <laughs> Next on the Blunt Letters podcast. Electric and Michaela Superstar report on news of the weird. That's right. Fire ants Fire. will actually form rafts yeah, to evade floods. So basically what happens is they will be all in there or wherever they live. And then it'll get flooded. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm like literally like why don't people do that when they're in floods but it's probably because they don't have an exoskeleton yeah fire ants are naturally hydrophobic which means that they repel water it does not mean that they're afraid of water which is what I thought they should change the name of that that's what I thought too like ultra hydro cool hydro fluid basically what happens is they weave together like waterproof fabric the ants gather up any eggs make their way to the surface via tunnels in their nest and as the floodwaters rise they chomp down on each other's bodies with their mandibles and claws and uh, until a flat raft-like structure forms i thought they put their legs together it's like everything (laughs) all their limbs sexy It's like a big orgy of ants floating for survival. That's right. Yeah. Just bite my ass, Marty. Just bite it. I don't even know you. You're like, it's for survival. Bite my arms. And it's like (laughs) all your friends are just biting on you to make a raft. Super fast. They do this in under two minutes. So they don't even have that conversation. They just get they it even, done. They don't even talk. They just know it. They just chomp, 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 Raft. Yep. And then they put the eggs on the raft. Yeah. Like a sushi boat totally. bringing you caviar. <laughs> Ant caviar. That's right. That's going to be our new restaurant. We're going to have ant wraps bringing you eggs. It's the future. Future and food. And it'll last three days. <laughs> breakfast served all day. Because the breakfast is eggs and eggs. Basically, they can form these rafts to survive flash floods and arrange themselves into towers what or even pour them out of a teapot like fluid so this is an example of some kind of collective behavior that exhibits both liquid and solid properties so it's a pretty wild thing that these uh, fire ants are able to do and this person has been researching them his name is it's hun tanko so he is a postdoc hun tang ho hun tang ko hun tang ko yeah with a k or a c k hun tang ko hun tang is the first name ko is the last name of well yeah totally got that yeah mm-hmm. so um from princeton started studying these ants this behavior in these fire ants and wrote two papers about it one was about the ant rafts in the water and what sort of condition they take and the also like what they're like on land or in a static environment and the other one is why they form these rafts in the first place and the way that they form these rafts is to not drown two sentence two words not drown here's my paper it's like professor i almost said sergeant like they're in the military well it's like why clump together you know like what's the benefit or like how do they know to do not that? dying yeah well the, it's actually oh, that's the due to the cheerios effect which is named for delicious for the cereal itself drifts that drifts either to the center or the outer edges of the milk so 
it's pretty amazing that these bugs hmm. create this raft not because they know to it's science but because of the way that they move in the water actually will like push them towards make them come together yeah and then they'll be like oh i might as well fucking bite your ass because we'll float together here's the crazy part so the initial thought was that because they're so good at working together they'll encounter each other in the water and get together right away no two ants will push each other away it adds up to a type of capillary action, which is the process of a liquid flowing in a narrow space without the assistance or even in opposition to any external forces like gravity. Basically, the mass of the Cheerios cereal is insufficient to break the milk surface tension, but it's enough to put a tiny dent in the surface of the milk in the bowl, such that if two Cheerios are sufficiently close, they will naturally drift towards each other. The dents merge and the O's clump together and add another Cheerio into the mix and it too will follow the curvature of the milk to drift towards the other O's. So they're actually being like they're slipping down like if basically like imagine like a like a dip or like a pool or like, you know, skaters ramp into like <laughs> a dip in the water surface and then they get close together but if there's two of them they'll push each other away but if there are 10 or more ants the cheerio effect is stronger than the ants trying to kick each other away and a stable raft can form computer simulations confirm that 10 ants are the critical threshold for a stable raft and it tr- 10 yeah see once again even fucking <laughs> ants use the metric system but not America <laughs> yeah even Fucking ants. Yes. Yeah. Know that 10 makes sense. Zero to 10. Not zero to 12. It turns out that the beginning stages of raft formation, it's the physical forces that brings them together despite individual ants pushing away from their neighbors. And that they have to be forced together for at least five minutes in order to form these things to like become stable enough so that they can learn enough about their neighbors they're just like okay so we're dying it's like seriously just like a bunch of ants being like um so i thought i was just dying and then this other guy was dying but now like a bunch of us are dying i guess there's enough of us to do something about it let's go red alert red alert so the whole colony's dying okay this is dumb let's all just like be a raft and it's wild because like once they're together they can adjust their shape so that they can survive these kind of currents that are created in the water by like debris or people paddling or what have you to such a minimal degree that they act like a fluid they're so responsive and the way that they do this is like the rafts essentially comprise two types of layers the ants on the bottom layer serve as a structure a structural purpose making up the stable base but the ants on the upper layer move more freely on top of the linked bodies of the bottom layer so sometimes they'll move from the bottom to the upper layer or for the up to the bottom layer in a cycle reassembling or in a cycle resembling donut shaped treadmill so this is now getting 3d when i read that i was like my brain exploded because they're moving in this kind of like cylindrical yeah. donut like they're moving like yeah it's vi- i can see that okay. so that nobody drowns right again i don't know why people can't do that in a flood but <laughs> i don't know but they do it so well you know they just do it super well and i just thought that was like a really cool thing that ants do that they can figure out how to get together. Make a raft. And they're also just like squished together by fate. Like they have no desire to actually join a raft. But once they're in that situation, they're like, okay, let's do it. Let's save the society. It's like anything, right? Like individually, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to die. Or a couple of us are dying. But if you're like, all of your society, your whole town is going to die. You're like, well, now I have to band together with the rest of the town and save the rest of us. Right. So it's mm-hmm. like, I think people the same way. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. I just thought that was like such a weird thing to learn about, too. And it's like they act so closely together once they're together that they resemble liquid instead of like a bunch of ants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see that. But that's it's neat. like because they are so responsive that they act like liquid so they can be poured that's weird 
cool science. Weird. Also, lenticular clouds are weird science. And I looked this up a little bit. So, lenticular clouds generally form when there are powerful wind flows in waves or over massive land. Massive. So, that's like every single place I looked to tell me about lenticular clouds. All the YouTube videos, all the articles were about how lenticular clouds form over things like the Rockies, Mount Fuji, Rainier, like, but not over flat land. It all always had these diagrams, like literal diagrams written with mountains in every single version. Wait, Michaela, what do lenticular clouds look like? Which ones are those? Those are the ones that look like fucking crazy ass flying saucers or pancakes. Oh, yeah. In like layers above a mountain, usually above a mountain, right? So you see a mountain, those like rainier, all those, there's a, always like volcanoes and they've got those weird flying saucer clouds over I've them. seen that in like anime a lot. Shasta. Yeah. So like they're all over mountains, but what's been crazy is that they've been happening in Texas and Nebraska, which are notoriously flat. Like, very, very flat places have been seeing them. And some of the the meteorologists were like, well, there's a vertical dense cold pool behind the complex of storms. But it's like, I, okay, yeah, cool. But it's still kind of unprecedented to see these kind of storms happening, maybe, because they seem kind of freakish to have lenticular clouds in places that are flat. The only other explanation, which I really like because this is a comedy podcast, is that they are fucking UFOs or something. Because otherwise, I mean, that's what some people are saying, too, is like, why else would in flat places lenticular clouds happen? Like Nebraska and Texas and places with no mountains. Uh, Like the pictures will be a flat land and lenticular clouds happening. Now, of course, they're probably from the storms. But I like to to like think that they're like invisible giants or like mountains or like some weird shit. Like yeah, some like portaled mountains that are there in one reality, but they're not there are in reality. But they have some imprint enough to make lenticular clouds in Texas. Like I don't know, like dark matter, like the the weight of the universe is heavier in certain spots yeah for no reason no reason and so the wind is shifting different like i don't know yeah it's like i just like these weird far out i like the idea of like these like ufos just chilling out in the air and then being like oh shit i think we're forming some clouds above us we better jet it's like it's just it's just been happening and again it could just be global warming and like whatever but it's like i really love to always be like is it ufos or just like weird invisible tall things we can't see yeah weird weather is definitely weird weather that forms around certain conditions like peaks is definitely odd Mm -hmm. you know it's like you have to try and especially when there's no peaks right it's like why especially when there's no why is that occurring a storm and yeah it could it could be a storm but it's just like okay well that's a weird storm because it's not like people in these flat areas are used to seeing them like in colorado where they're like we're used to seeing these all the time it's like places without mountains aren't used to seeing now it's happening right i would be freaked out if i saw one if i just was like driving you know to downtown from my where i live on a hill and I saw that kind of cloud, I would be tripping out. If I was in a flat place, yeah. I've seen it over Mount Shasta. I mean, I think I've seen it with you over Mount Shasta. Or Rainier, wherever we went up to Portland. Like, what do we pass? Shasta? Um, it's, it's almost always got yeah, one of those Shasta. weird-ass clouds over it, you know? Uh-huh. But, like, if there's not a mountain there, that's fucking weird. And that's what meteorologists have been talking about. But again, they said it's these storms and bitty bitty. They always have an answer, but they've always had an answer. Right. They have to have an answer. And like, were there really storms? That's the other part. Yes. Yeah, there were. High winds. It needs high winds and storms and stuff. But like, I don't know, man. But don't they form around things? Like, they're circular. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't buy it. I like the idea that they're like some weird fucking UFOs or something hanging out. Nope. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. Nope, I would not. Not of the planet Earth. So I was chewing. Not of planet Earth. Not of planet Earth. Do you love to snuggle, but your partner runs hot? Get off me, I'm too hot. Now we have the solution a full body gel suit just for snugglers. Just roll up the bodysuit and place it into your freezer. After just 30 minutes, cool snugs is ready for squeezing. 
Warning, do not squeeze cool snogs too tightly, as erupting may occur. Seepings from the suit may permanently turn your teeth purple or temporarily turn you into a ghost. If you would like purple teeth, go for it. It's otherwise non-toxic. May cause flu or cold in the wearer of the cool snugs. Also could cause razor nips. Do not submerge yourself in water or any liquid while wearing the suit. Definitely do not use to snuggle dolphins. They're creeps. Get your cool snugs today at all your local ice cube retailers. Also sold... No, that's it. Thanks for listening to the Blunt Letters Podcast. Check out our website at thebluntletters.com, our new home on the interwebs for all things Blunt Letters. You can find all the Blunt Letters podcast episodes, check out our blog, and buy back issues of the Blunt Letters zine. Plus, get in touch with us with any suggestions, questions, or leave us a voicemail to be featured in an episode. You can follow our daily adventures and videos on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. Remember to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow us on Spotify, Anchor, Googlecast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public to stay up to date on our new episodes. Wow, that's a lot. I know, right? Bye-bye. I doesn't take over that would fucking suck. Science. 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 Science.